0: To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody but yourself means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and to never stop fighting. E. e. Cummings. Bending, not breaking. The Gifts of Imperfection Edition. Episode 3, Guidepost 1, Cultivating Authenticity. Welcome back to Bending Not Breaking. This is Ben Pruitt, your host for this mini-series on The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And we are featuring Avatar The Last Airbender and Avatar Universe content to kind of illustrate the points from the text. And this is our third episode, and in the first two episodes we covered a lot of information from the first three chapters of The Gifts of Imperfection, and that kind of just sets the foundation for the rest of this mini-series, because for the rest of the mini-series, we are covering guideposts to wholehearted living, living, and there are ten of them. And so, I'm really excited about today, because we're discussing that first guidepost, and I'm really excited to, to dive into it with all of you. And, you know, as mentioned previously, you don't necessarily need to read the gifts of imperfection in order to engage with this podcast and these episodes. Uh, And yet, it is the the source text. It's the main thing we're drawing from. So I imagine that there would be a lot of rich content there that we aren't able to touch on that could deepen our collective understanding. And I definitely highly recommend it. Uh, I'm definitely still waiting for Brene to start sponsoring this podcast, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, Anyway, (laughs) much like our understanding of the book will be enhanced by our knowledge and understanding of the, the text it will also be enhanced by our knowledge and understanding of avatar and if you're reading along um go ahead and plan for this episode to cover uh, guidepost one which in the again 10th anniversary edition is pages 66 through 73 and you might notice compared to the last couple of episodes that we have slowed down a bit in terms of page, the pages that we're covering, right? And that is intentional. Um, we want to give plenty of depth to each of these guideposts. And so just as a forward look to next week, uh, as you might have guessed, we'll be focusing in on guidepost two, and that will be pages 74 through 83. All right. Yeehaw, this has been fun, covering all the, all the details. Uh, just as a, a reminder that if you end up enjoying the, the content of these episodes, I am offering a Patreon-exclusive opportunity in which people can meet with me one-on-one um, over the course of a month period in which we will engage with the Avatar universe and talk about them in conversation with guideposts to wholehearted living in Brene Brown's Gift of Imperfection. And my goal is to kind of accompany you and walk with you on your own personal growth and development journey using the media of your choice as a guide in tandem with Brene's work. All right. Um, If you're interested, remember, you can find that on BNB underscore pod. And if you want more information about that, you can email me directly at thearcofe at gmail.com. And then there's all the other perks that we know we have. We have many episodes released monthly, uh, sometimes more than that, sometimes less. We have um, live episodes that we do monthly. We have all kinds of things that you can check out and join in on. Uh, And you can find all of that at Patreon. um, And our handle is bnb underscore pod. And that kind of brings us to the content of our episode. And so I'd love to take a moment to just reflect on our own lives and our own sense of authenticity. And I want to just give us a a moment to just reflect on that, because I feel like in order to truly engage with this material, we have to be doing self-reflection. And that kind of brings us back to my recommendation from episode one of the miniseries, which is to, if you haven't yet, take the wholehearted uh, survey that is on Brene Brown's website. And that kind of gives us an inventory. It's a wholehearted inventory on where we stand uh, with all of these guideposts. And I wanted to give you a a chance to remind you, I guess, to check that out so that we could go into this conversation with an understanding of where we feel we stand with this. So uh, if you haven't yet uh, done that, feel free to pause this now and come back and we will engage because I'm about to start sharing uh, my scores and my reflection on that as well. All right, so theoretically, you have taken this little inventory and you'll notice um, guidepost five is absent from the report. We will talk about that more when we get there, but uh, that's okay. We can definitely go on with today because today's content is present. So we are in this guidepost, letting go of what people think and cultivating authenticity. And so this is guidepost one. It's the first bar on your wholehearted inventory. And I got around 60% on this, which, you know, I, I think I would have guessed ahead of time that I would have been higher because I've always felt that I have been so myself whenever i go into situations but what i realize, as upon reflecting is that i still care about what people think and i still make decisions about me and what i do and how i look and what i dress like based off what other people think um And I think it's situational authenticity for me is what I'm realizing as I truly reflect on this, because I kind of feel like, for instance, in my history with summer camp, which is one of the safest places I've ever felt emotionally, was I was always myself. And I just didn't care (laughs) what people thought, except for when I was, you know, in front of children i had to be a, a role model and even then the, the things that i was doing i was while i was other focused it was still being me and doing what i wanted to do and then i realized that when i'm you know with people that i care about that i'm in friend groups with or that i have friend crushes on and i want to be friends with them that oftentimes i will say things that i wouldn't Believe that would come out of my mouth in other situations, and I I don't notice it until after it's already out of my mouth. And that's just one example, but I'm definitely kind of uh, interested in thinking about what we can learn from the Avatar universe as we dive into this guidepost. And I'm curious about this for you. If you're interested in sharing your reflections on Guidepost One and your uh, sense of where you are in terms of living into and cultivating authenticity, feel free to reflect on that audibly with a voicemail and send it to us. We'd love to listen to it and, and hear you um, discuss it. And you can do that uh, by sending a voicemail to the arc of e at gmail.com Or you could always tweet at us you know, bnb underscore pod on Twitter or Instagram or all the things. We have a Facebook uh, page where you are welcome to come and check that out. We have a Facebook group where listeners engage with one another and discuss things every now and then. So that's probably a good way to post that as well if you want more community. But I digress. I I want to dive into this wholeheartedness inventory a little bit with you, but uh, in order to do that, I need you to kind of engage too. Uh, But no worries. If not, this is a very personal experience and there's a lot of vulnerability when you're talking about our authenticity. And so I don't expect that from anybody, but I would welcome it if you were willing to have that conversation. Okay. So now what I want to do is start diving into the content of the chapter. So the content of the chapter is kind of elucidating on the authenticity ad nauseam. So it's like all, all the ways that we can learn about authenticity. And what it talks about is the things that get in the way, and also the things that we need to start cultivating and things we need to start practicing and doing, which is why I appreciate this text so much. So the first thing that is discussed is the idea that authenticity is not a, an on-off switch it's way more complicated than that. It's not something that's like, okay, I'm being authentic, and then, okay, I'm not. It's it's not, It doesn't quite work like that. And it's way more complicated. But the problem is, oftentimes we conflate it to to be that way. We think it is that way, especially when we are analyzing other people. Like, oh, they're so authentic, or they are not authentic at all. Like, instead, it's like, no, it's... Authenticity is a practice. It's a series of choices. It's never just the one choice. Okay, I'm authentic now. It's, <laughs> there's no like switch for on and off there. And I think that's what's really interesting is that uh, the people we admire for being truly authentic in themselves is that is a, a consistent choice they are making, right? And I think that's really important to make a distinguish to distinguish because. You know, it can be conscious or unconscious, right? We can make decisions about the way we engage the world unconsciously. And that's where it starts to get to, to be dangerous and or really life-giving. If unconsciously we are always habitually choosing authenticity, then the way we engage with the world is probably a source of like, I am enough, I belong and I feel loved and I love people. And I imagine that if... Being, you know, trying to fit in and trying to do things um, based off what other people think, as our unconscious decision and our habitual decision, then I imagine it is going to lead us to feeling like we are missing out on connection and missing out on love in the long run. So, how then do we build authenticity as this this habit, this choice that we're constantly making? Because what I've noticed with habits is, like, when, when we're constantly grappling with a habit that we're trying to change, and specifically when we grapple with our on our on our authenticity being a choice, it can be exhausting, right? It's just exhausting to to make a decision around to struggle to feel like, oh, I have to, I have to do this. Do is this the right choice? If we're constantly grappling with it, then it becomes really tough and it can become a burden almost, right? And in, in the same vein, an analogy might be like, it's exhausting to believe in vaccines and to have people that you are close to, or that you admire, that you love, that choose to fight that battle every day, right? When they choose not to vaccinate. Because they have their own reasons and they're not willing to listen, but it's part of your like awareness and knowledge base that you know that this is an effective process and they're unwilling to engage, right? That can also be incredibly exhausting. And this is similar in a way. So one moment that I tie, that I, I found when I was considering this, this conversation was the moment that Ty Lee chooses to follow azula in season two and azula kind of corners her threatens her does all these things and Kylie has this option to either fight back to uh continue doing what she cares about what has kind of set her free what makes her aura feel clean and healthy and more pinker if you will and Azula kind of puts her into a corner where she says, I need you to fit into my expectations. And, you know, there is absolutely an element of power here, you know, considering Azula's uh, status. But also, I wonder if this is something where Tylee just found it to be easier to go with the flow here rather than stand her ground. So, in a way, um, not being very earthy, and kind of choosing a, a water experience or even maybe an air experience where it's like let the air go by and go with the flow. Um, so I, I imagine that Tylee is kind of embracing a little bit more fire and, uh, oh, not fire, that's not what I meant, a little bit more water and air qualities in this moment when she chooses to go with the flow. And, you know, there are pros and cons, and, or I should say, strengths and weaknesses that. Um, are involved with each of these elements, right? And, you know, water is very strong and has so much going for it. So does air. And sometimes when n- not harnessed well, it can lead to going with the flow even when you don't want to, right? And so there's kind of a, an ebb and flow to the way that we embrace these elements within us. So I just wanted to lift that moment up with Tylee choosing to go with Azula when she was kind of quartered and wanted to stick with the circus. So the next point that Brené lifts up is that in addition to it being this, this practice we have to cultivate, it's a practice of choosing authenticity, but it's also a practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. And I just immediately thought of Korosami here. And, you know, that is fleshed out especially well in the comic Turf Wars. And so I wanted to kind of read you a segment from their experience in the spirit world. So FYI, I'm about to dive into Turf Wars, if that is a spoiler for you. Um, feel free to skip ahead until you uh, probably about, you know, a couple of minutes... Just FYI, that's what we're diving into. So, <laughs> here we go. Cora starts. Remember when we first met and you took me race car driving? And Asami says, "I remember how terrified you were." And she's like, and Cora's like, "Was not." Anyway, what I remember most was how relieved I felt. Relieved, Asami asks. Yeah, said Cora. My whole life, I was always told I was too wild, too emotional, too intense. But it turned out you could be just as intense as me. I've never had anyone in my life who got me the way you do. I think... Oh, Asami says. I think that's when I realized how much you meant to me. I almost told you in one of my letters. Korra asks, why didn't you? And Asami says, the three years you were gone were the longest of my life. You'd already been away for so long. I guess I was scared you didn't feel the same way. And if so, then maybe you'd never come back. So this moment in this comic is just full of this authenticity practice and letting go of what people think and embracing who we want and who we are and cultivating the courage to be imperfect, right? And that's what Cora was doing on her three-year sabbatical, right? It's what Asami was doing. She was grappling with these feelings and trying to, do I tell her? Do I share that I care about her? And, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of like getting those feelings out and I don't always practice what I preach, but I definitely believe that why hold on, right? Like choose that authenticity. And I believe that ultimately things will work out in the end when we share and working out does not always mean that it will work out in the way you expect it to. I just believe that sometimes it works out and it turns out um, the way that it would have no matter what, but that's not always true. So Take that with a grain of salt. So anyway, especially the moment where Korra's like, I was 2X, 2Y, 2Z. Like, those are the things that we have to let go of what people think. People are telling us how we're supposed to act all day long, and we have got to stop listening. And instead, we have to really cultivate a sense of values within us so that when we act, we're, we're acting based off of the values, and we're acting based off of the people we trust Right? We definitely want to listen to the people we trust, but listening to the people who criticize us all day long is never going to help us be who we are meant to be, Right, who we, which is who we are. And so ultimately, I, I think this moment is just a really good example of how we are constantly grappling with our feelings and we're constantly grappling with the demons within us, these shame tapes, if you will. And I, and I think we have to just, again, cultivate that courage to be imperfect. And we have to set boundaries, of course, and we have to all- allow ourselves to be vulnerable with, with the people we love. And, you know, exercising the, the compassion that comes from knowing that we are all made of strength and struggle. Right? So in order to let go of who we think we're supposed to be, we have to be compassionate with ourselves. And we have to know that we are full of things that make us awesome. And we are full of things that we need to work on, right? But so is everyone else. And when we exercise that compassion with ourselves, we are less likely to be judgmental of ourselves. And we're, we're not going to be worried about what other people think. We're just going to embrace who we are. And then, you know, finally, the, the last thing that helps us really grapple with letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and to embrace who we are is when we nurture the connection and sense of belonging that can only happen when we believe that we are enough. And I think when Korra and Asami lean into this moment and, and share with one another, when they're invulnerable, when they embrace the strength and struggle, they start to love each other more because they're able to love themselves more in this moment right and i think when we see each other through our the people we care about's eyes when we see ourselves through the people we care about's eyes all of a sudden we're able to love ourselves more so i I think we we have a greater capacity for love when we engage in relationship right and that's really hard (laughs) And it doesn't always have to be romantic at all, but it does, I, th- I think that we are we are wired for, for people and for community, so in, in connection, right? Which is covered in the earlier episodes, but again, I thought that was a pretty poignant moment. And so, now that we've kind of discussed these things that we need to let go of, you know, like in letting go of who we think we're supposed to be, it kind of also... Begs the question, what else is required? And I think we were kind of touching on it, but authenticity demands wholehearted living and loving. And the problem with that is it's often really difficult. (laughs) Um, So if it demands wholehearted living and loving, even when it's hard, even when we're wrestling with the, the fear of not being good enough, even when we're wrestling with our own personal shame gremlins, and And especially when the joy is intense, right that that we are afraid to let ourselves feel it. it it like it those moments where it's just so good that I like oh no, something's gonna go wrong right That's scary and I really feel like this this was tracked well with Aang in season three of Avatar the Last Airbender so. Aang is constantly questioning himself, and he's like, How do I go into this battle and not kill Ozai? How do I do this? Because it is part of me and my values to not take lives. And so he's like, Okay, I'm gonna start consulting all the wise people, and he goes back to several generations of avatars and speaks with them, and they all give him advice, and he feels like a little empty because he was hoping for like the perfect magic bullet solution. Um, But instead, he doesn't get any of that. Instead, he's just given a a greater sense of you need to kind of lean into your own values, right? By hearing the values of all the previous avatars. So I think that's also tracked when, you know, when... Aang has started to learn all the elements, he's learning firebending, and then all of a sudden we get this episode of Nightmares and Daydreams that's just, ugh, it's so full of his anxiety and worry because he's thinking he's going to have to do something that's outside of his authenticity, right? Outside of who he is. And I think just when Aang leans into this moment at the end of the series where he takes Ozai's bending instead of killing him. I think Aang shows us what it looks like to choose authenticity here. And that's a pretty extreme moment, but it's, I mean, it feels pretty good to me. Like, But I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? Do you see this, this scene differently? Do you see this arc differently? Because it seems like he's constantly battling with, do I make a decision that will you know, forever go against my values, or do I find a way to lean into my values, right? And it's not always a binary solution, right? I'm not suggesting that it is, but in this case, it seems like that's what he was grappling with. So again, I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Please share. Again, you can share all of the social media handles, bnb underscore pod. Feel free to send us that voicemail. We'd love to hear it. TheRKB at gmail.com. Okay. The next point is that authenticity uh, requires that when <laughs> that we change, right? When we are embracing authenticity and we have had a history of not doing so, it means that like our entire like life might shift, <laughs> and that's really dangerous because, and I and I think this is what people often associate with like midlife crises. All of a sudden, people are not putting up with things that they have been putting up with for years. And all of a sudden it's like, this is going to change. And it's like, people judge change, right? Um, Especially when people perceive us to be a certain way and we stop acting that way, it becomes a problem for, for our loved ones. And so here's the deal. People around us struggle when we start changing. Period. Like partners and children can perceive change within us as fearful. Friends and family might see it as threatening the relationship potential. Uh some will find it inspiring and others will think it's too much. And the only way we can really grapple with it is by engaging with ourselves and really being aware of what we feel is right. And again, you want to lean on the people that you trust and that you love, but oftentimes this becomes dicey because we start to change and all of a sudden they aren't they aren't ready for us to change or they don't want us to change. And it's just really tough. And so I, I thought about another moment from Turf Wars, actually, and this is a moment with Kaya, who is a pretty neat person. And so I just wanted to kind of give you a quick read of that and so this is from turf wars and again if you'd like to skip through skip through a couple minutes and uh feel free to wait until we talk about the next segment so kaya starts it's none of my business but i wanted to say that you two make a beautiful couple asami and cora are surprised and asami asks how'd you know Kaya says, I suspected something was up when Tenzin told me you two went on vacation together. I remember the first getaway I had with my first girlfriend. I'd never been so happy. Kora says, I didn't know. Kaya says, my friends and family all know, but I don't exactly announce it to everyone I meet. Have you told anyone that you're together yet? Asami says, Kora's parents were very understanding. Hora says, mostly, but they seemed overly worried about what other people would say. And then Kaya says, that's Water Tribe tradition for you. People like to keep family matters private. No one's going to disown you for coming out, but our culture would prefer you keep it to yourself. Ugh. So, this, this moment... Is, is hard because oftentimes when you have a culture like this water tribe culture where you you do you but don't share it with anybody like <laughs> that becomes really shaming and it really becomes really suffocating in a way and it can absolutely be a traumatic experience. Um, you know, Kaya is seemingly very well adjusted as an adult and she has had she has plenty of wisdom to offer these two young ladies. And I just think it's really beautiful, but it's interesting because there's a lot of information in this this text about, you know, what does gay culture look like in the Avatar The Last Airbender world, and also how do people react to it in the various nations. And so I just wanted to kind of lift that up as an example, because when we... When we are perceived as a certain sexual orientation, and then all of a sudden we—and it's never all of a sudden, but it can seem like it's all of a sudden to our loved ones—we say, hey, this isn't true anymore. It can make people feel uncomfortable. And I wish it didn't, but it certainly can. And so I just wanted to kind of lift this up as a a really beautiful moment to to lean on as— Kaya talks about the Air Nation culture and how the Air Nomads were really accepting of differences and embraced everyone, no matter their orientation. And I'm I'm really glad that she got to grow up with Aang as an influence, so that is something that I appreciate. up this idea that kind of playing off of this but often when we act authentic when we act ourselves it can come across as like audacious in a way right we don't we don't want our authenticity to, to be perceived as selfish and that's often the shame tape is like oh when i act myself then it's going to seem like i'm being selfish and I'm, well, I'm not caring about the other people when i say that this is not something that I like, but I know that my partner really likes it. And I think that it's important that we kind of separate this idea of authenticity from selfishness because... Or, or you know what? I don't even know that we need to separate it. We can kind of enmesh them and say, it's okay to be selfish when your values are on the line, right? To focus on the self, is important, right? And I think that's that's integral to our ability to grapple and embrace grapple with and embrace authenticity. So I just wanted to kind of lift lift that moment up. And I, again, I think I touched on this last episode, but I think that's one of the reasons that Cora is not appreciated by a lot of the fandom <laughs> because she comes across as abrasive and selfish, and I think that's oftentimes because she is being who she is and not necessarily caring so much about how other people will react. All right, moving on to our next point. Uh, So this kind of brings authenticity. We've been kind of focusing on authenticity with uh, ourselves and then with our close friendships, families, relationships, etc., And now this is kind of like, okay, well, how does authenticity react with and engage with like systems? And, you know, when we push the system, it often pushes back. And uh, for instance, when we're in society and culture and we're not in, we're not with our our loved ones, society will often push back. And the way that happens is it happens through eye rolls, whispers, you know, uh, people will ostracize you and you'll be isolated. There can be relationship struggles, and there's just kind of this this paradox of expectations, and I want to kind of uh, go into that with you, and it's on page 70 in the text. Brene offers a series of a couple of of, uh, dot points that speak to this, and so we are often grappling with these paradoxes. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but we need to be honest. We don't want to upset anyone or hurt anyone's feelings, but we need people to say what's on their mind. We want people to sound informed and educated, but we don't want them to sound like a know-it-all. We don't want to say anything unpopular or controversial, but we want people to have the courage to disagree with the crowd. And oftentimes, these these paradoxes are the, the stories that put us and make us so small because we get We get paralyzed from making decisions because oftentimes when we push these systems, the system is offering an unreasonable expectation, paradoxical expectations, because we can't always do everything that it wants us to do. And I will say that this is true for all people, right? Like we want men to be strong and we want them to you know never uh, show emotion and then we also have this expectation that men be kind and chivalrous and do all of these things that are quote masculine expectations and that's a problem with with women there are also multiple paradoxical expectations that we expect from people and it's really troubling and so we have to check and reality check and check again these expectations, and that's what Brené Brown calls practicing this this concept of critical awareness. We have to become aware of these paradoxical expectations because when people start judging us for doing the things that you know we know to be within and well within rather our authenticity, we struggle. Right? And so we need to be able to not care so much about these eye rolls, these whispers, this isolation and these relationship struggles, which is like, cool, 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 cool. Don't worry about the things that we need in our lives. It's totally fine. You'll be fine. Um, That's not what I'm saying. I am saying we just need to kind of like, how do we begin to appreciate and value the loving relationships we have and their expectations and opinions more so than that of the stranger? Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know who does that pretty well is King Bumi. Here's a moment from Book 1, Episode 5, The King of Omashu, to kind of help us dive into this subject a little bit. Thanks, but I don't eat meat. How about you? I bet you like meat. Mm. 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 Is it just me, or is this guy's crown a little crooked? So tell me, young bald one. Where are you from? I'm from Kangaroo Island. Oh, Kangaroo Island, eh? I hear that place is really hopping. (laughs) Cough, cough, indeed. Eventually Sokka does laugh here, but I I think what the moment I want to discuss is Katara's reaction to King Bumi. I think if I were to put myself into this scenario, I would absolutely... Katara, knowing that I've definitely reacted this way when when people are acting differently than the social norms and cultural norms would expect them to. And, you know, we often react to that kind of behavior by, by calling them off their rocker by crown as crooked, by saying they're they're mad or they're crazy, and you know, I've I've been trying to drop crazy from my vocabulary and failing because I'm I don't know that I'm being corrected enough, um, and then when I do catch it, I have definitely talked about it, but it's it's pretty ableist to discuss crazy as as a label like in when in most cases like a different word works just as well like wild like that's wild and and i'm trying to change my my vocabulary because i want to make sure that i'm being less judgmental and i also don't want to you know have this unconscious ableism within me and Oftentimes that's the problem is it's our language and our our lack of awareness and how that language plays um, is a major factor in our presentation of who we are and how we want to present to the world. And so I, I think that systems like push us and mold us and shape us and we have to become aware of how those systems are doing that in order to push back. Um, and then when we do push back, we have to be able to let go of the what people are thinking, right? We have to be able to let go, and it's not easy. I'm never once going to say that this is a piece of cake unless I'm being incredibly uh, facetious. But anyway, I, I thought that moment with King Boomi was, was worth lifting up, and it's important. And, you know in addition to it not being easy it's also not the safest option you'll notice that a lot of these especially if we go back to this moment with azula right and tylee that authenticity is not always the safe option right authenticity is incredibly vulnerable and we are we're putting ourselves out there in a way that might get us hurt as tylee almost had she had less exceptional skills she might have been hurt if if we're left to Azula's decision making skills. So, and you know, that's a literal expectation, like <laughs> a literal um, analogy there. But I also think that, you know, being authentic is not always the safe option, emotionally speaking, right? Authenticity is a vulnerable emotion when we put ourselves out there. And I think it's incredibly difficult, in addition to it being an added layer of safety being on the line. So just leaning into the concept of courage, right? Courage is telling one's heart from the Latin root of core, right? So courage is telling our story. Courage is not being immune to criticism. It's telling our story, knowing that the criticism will come, it will hurt, and we are going to endure because we know we are loved, we belong, and we are worth being ourselves. Ugh. Which, dang, y'all, that's rough. I, I think the problem, though, is that staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience real connection. I'll say that again. Staying vulnerable, therefore being authentic. <laughs> Authenticity is vulnerable. Like, so staying authentic and vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. And I want it. I want connection. That's what I need. Right? And, oh, it's just so big. So this kind of brings us to the near the end, right? And in the end, right, being true to ourselves is the best gift that we can give to our loved ones. Um, and that's just so important. So Brene Brown ends this chapter and all of these guideposts with um dig which is her deliberate inspire and get going acronym um and the ones that she lists is she includes this mantra that works for her for her deliberate uh section and what she says is don't shrink don't puff up stand your sacred ground And I think, again, that relates to the content from last episode. It's like, I don't want to shrink, I don't want to move away, and I don't want to puff up and move against, right? Instead, I want to stand my sacred ground, be who I am, and not worry so much about what people think. Don't let them puff us up or shrink us down. And I I, I think in any times where I'm making a decision and I feel like I'm going to respond... certain way, just bringing that mantra back, okay, don't shrink, don't puff up stand your sacred ground, don't shrink, don't puff up, stand your sacred ground and if we take a deep breath and you know, don't think that this has to be your mantra at all right, Um, absolutely choose your own, right it could be choose um, courage over comfort it could be uh, all kinds of different things right, whatever it is for you Think about what is the phrase that you can come back to that will help you make your decisions when you're, when you're brought to the point where you have to make one. And I think that's where we can use that kind of deliberate. And I think the cool thing about this I moment is, so we're moving from D to I, the inspire, is that courage is contagious. When we see other people being themselves, unconsciously or consciously, we are giving other people permission to do the same. So, uh, when again, when we are being ourselves, when we are being authentic, we are giving other people the permission. Not that they need it, but what we're doing is we're saying, Hey, I'm gonna be real. And what that means is theoretically, it's safe because for you to be real, or at least safer. And so courage is contagious, and we want to be someone who is spreading that. I want to be especially someone who is being courageous so that others can also be courageous. And finally, to get going, um, for, for me, it's remembering that authenticity is kind of the filter when I'm being vulnerable, when I, when I have a decision on the line, and I, I want to make it a priority to be authentic over being liked right so for me it's choose courage right choose courage that's that's going to be something that i'm leaning into more hopefully as i deliberate on this okay if you have a moment of authenticity that you want to lift up from the avatar universe please connect with us we would love to hear about it and Uh, In addition to that, if you have your mantra that works for you, share it with us. If you have something, anything that you think we would be interested in listening to regarding this episode, the Avatar Universe, or anything that we are kind of touching on, please let us know. We would love hearing from our listeners. And I really just want to thank you all for, for being here today and listening to this. So... Uh, just a preview for next time again. Next time we'll diving into Guidepost 2, which is a 74 through 83 in the 10th anniversary edition. And this is all from the Gifts of Imperfection. And who knows? We'll see where that takes us into the world of Avatar. Um, thank you so much to all of our patrons for being a part of our podcast and helping us grow and helping us lean into doing this. We're really excited to... Uh, dive into the season two of Korra. That's really a big, big season for us. We're really excited about um, all of the content that's going to happen there. So uh, remember, for everybody, you can join us, tweet at us, Instagram us, DM us on all the medias at BNB underscore pod. My co-host for our normal uh, content is um Alex Mayfield, Sunshine, and he is running our TikTok and going through the entire Star Wars canon. So if you're curious about his feedback and uh content on Star Wars, you can follow him on TikTok at BNB underscore pod. And thank you all so much for being a part of this. If you have really liked this episode, remember you can give us a review on wherever you listen to your podcast, because the reviews really make a big difference. Um And if you feel so inclined, you can support us financially on Patreon. Uh, And again, there are cool perks there. Big thanks to all of our our current patrons. You make a world of a difference. Okay. Um, Thank you all to Brene Brown. Thanks for offering this text for us to learn from. Thank you, Alex Mayfield, Noah Blanchard, and Max Gongaware. And that is the end. So until next time, be well and do...